Trinity Sunday. We celebrate Trinity Sunday today. We confess the Trinity in the Apostles' Creed, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, we, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the three parts of the, of the uh, Apostles' Creed that we just confessed. So we celebrate Trinity Sunday today. We're also continuing our sermon series called Mission Possible. And today we're talking about that it's possible to share your story. It's possible to share the story of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, as you know, this is kind of a play on the, the, the movie series, the TV series, Mission Impossible. And if you know anything about that, at the beginning of every episode, every movie, the agents get their mission, right? It's on a, an audio device that shares the details of their mission in a no-nonsense, straightforward fashion. Then it self-destructs in a really dramatic way. Well, today we'll look at Acts 17 and Paul's willingness to share his story and how that goes in a really straightforward, no-nonsense form. Um, a lot of this will come from a pastor named Mark Booker. He serves at a church in Boston. Um, so let's dig right into Acts 17 and see uh, what God's word has for us this morning. We read this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting on the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. This is God's word for us this morning. May God be honored that we read it. Let's come together in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for the truth of your word. We are thankful that we can have confidence in the words that you have for us. Every word that comes from you is light, it's power, it's grace. Use this light, power, and grace to transform our hearts, changing us more and more into your image. Make us into those that love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and that love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name, and together we all say, amen. So the no-nonsense, straightforward details of our mission today start with this, the reason for our mission. What was the reasons for Paul's mission in Athens in Acts 17? What's our reason for mission? Well, for Paul, he was waiting in Athens, and his spirit was provoked within him. Why? Because he saw that the city was full of idols. His soul was provoked within him because he saw that the city was full of idols. Athens was full of idols. It was full of temples to strange, quote-unquote, deities. They had idols set up. And maybe we don't have a lot of that in the U.S. Maybe we have some of those temples that we don't fully understand, statues to things. But we sure are a nation of idolatry. Gosh, aren't we? People caught in idolatry, the idolatry of allegiance to self. It's all about me. I'll decide what's right and wrong. I'll decide what's good and bad. I don't really take in from the outside truth from God's word. I will decide for myself. The idolatry of sexual perversion, which seems to be so prominent in our culture. These strange ideas about who can marry who and what you can be and what is right and wrong. The idolatry of money, the love of money, if I could just get more. The idolatry of power, if I could be more powerful. The idolatry of I'm right, you're wrong, I don't want to hear your side. Let's not even come together in discussion. We are a culture, we are a society full of idolatry. Paul was provoked, the word is provoked, by the fact that Athens was full of idols. The NIV says he was greatly distressed. It bothered him that it was a city full of idols. Why? 
because idolatry always enslaves. It always diminishes. It never brings freedom. So there was a real love in Paul's heart as he saw people engaging in things that were harmful to them, led to darkness, despair, suffering, and eventually led to death. John Stott is not a Lutheran, so we would disagree with old John Stott on some points of theology, but I think he gets it right when he says this. How is the Christian to react when faced with the opposition of the world? He is certainly not to retaliate, nor is he to lick his wounds in self-pity, nor is he to withdraw into seclusion away from the disagreeable enmity of the world. No, he is to bravely bear witness to Jesus Christ before the world and the power of the Holy Spirit. May God move on our hearts that we would be so provoked, that we would be so distressed when we see the idolatry of our culture with the understanding that it leads to despair, to death, to darkness, to chaos, that we'd be willing to share, provoked by love, this love that we have in Jesus. Number two for us this morning, your target. Who do we target? Who did Paul target when he was in Athens? Back to Acts 17, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. He reasoned in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Now, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers conversed with him, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. So what a list of people that Paul talked to. Let's go back. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, and then he talked with devout persons and with people, anybody in the marketplace who shared any interest in what he was saying. Then some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers talked to him. And then they took him to the Areopagus, and we'll talk more about this in a second. But this was a place for public discourse. This was a place for presentation. Hey, I had these ideas. What do you think about them? And they kind of had a back and forth at the Areopagus. Paul engages everyone. Paul engages everyone. And I wonder if we think about our week coming up, who, who will we have the chance to talk to? Should anyone be excluded from this good news of Jesus Christ. It's easy to exclude people, isn't it? It's fun to talk to people that we like and that are kind to us. But should we share this good news of Jesus with everybody? Should we share it with the people who have different political views than we do and maybe criticize you for voting for the people that you vote for, the the people that are mean to you? What about the bully at work? Do they need to hear about Jesus? Will you share with them? Someone that inconveniences you, just kind of gets in your way during the week and makes life just a little bit harder. Should we share Jesus with them? I think we should. I think Paul did. So can you think of someone that God might be placing in your life this coming week that you can share the good news of Jesus with? In World War II, the U.S. Army Air Corps and the RAF, the Royal Air Force, um, developed a strategy of targets of opportunity. They would send bombers up on, on raids and missions and navigational techniques and understanding were in their infancy. So oftentimes they wouldn't find their target. They'd be lost. It's hard to do. So they developed a strategy of targets of opportunity. If you can't find your initial target, find something, something of strategic value to the enemy that you can knock out. So this mission will be of some value. Find something to do on your mission. And I like thinking about that in this circumstance. Now, I'll have people that I'll think about this week. Well, maybe I'll bump into them and I could share Jesus with them, but also targets of opportunity, people that will just pop up during your week that you can share the good news of Jesus with. Maybe it's the person at the gas station working who is just troubled, or it's the single mom at the soccer game who seems so overwhelmed and so tired and so at the end of her rope, or that's a person you know that's lonely and just doesn't understand how life became so lonely and so confusing. And I thought life would be different. It seems so dark. 
as they pop up this week, you do have the ability to share good news with them. Well, number three for us this morning is the message. What did Paul say to these people? What are we supposed to say? We could say lots of things, I suppose, but maybe we should understand exactly what we're supposed to be talking about. Well, as Paul was talking, some said, what is this babbler trying to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. Why would they say that? Because he preached Jesus and the resurrection. There it is, last line. What did Paul talk about? He talked about Jesus, and he talked about the resurrection. Jesus and the resurrection is our message. We can talk about the fact that he existed. There's overwhelming historic proof that Jesus existed. And Christianity at its core is not really a teaching on how to live our lives, although there's great wisdom in the Bible on choices to be made. The Bible is a book about our sin and a book about our Savior. At its core, that's what it is. And you can share that the the Bible and Christianity really is about a course of events. It's about good news. Things happen. God became a man, first event. Second thing that happened, that man took my sin off of me and put it on himself. So it's not mine anymore. I'm forgiven. Third thing that happened, because of my sin was on him, it killed him. He had to pay for it, and that was the cost. Fourth thing that happened was that he rose again. He's alive. Great historic evidence for the resurrection. So as we share the good news of Jesus, we are sharing the good news of Jesus. He is, was, died, and rose again, and he can change your life. Don't be intimidated. You don't have to answer deep theological or philosophical questions. Don't get in debates. Simply love them. Uh, I've shared a bunch of stuff in your worship outline because I want you to have these this week. They're on the screen here. Take some time this week to answer these questions. How has Jesus rescued you? How has he shown you grace? How has he satisfied your longings? How has Jesus healed your guilt and shame? How has he carried your burdens? How has he given you a sense of identity? How has he connected your heart to that which gives you a purpose and a focus? This can be a part of your message. As you talk about Jesus and the resurrection, say, then he, he came into my life and he helped me in these areas. And I think he can, I think he can help you too. Well, the purpose for our mission, what was, what was Paul's purpose? What is our purpose for the mission? Acts 17.30, Paul says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands, and notice the word commands, not a suggestion, not a light nudging. He commands all people everywhere to do what? To repent. Our message is a message of repentance. Repentance, we're not trying to win arguments. I have a note here in my notes that I should repeat that. <laughs> We're not trying to win arguments. It's not you're stupid, I'm smart. It's not I've got it all figured out. It's I'm a sinner, man, and I bumped into the one one who changed everything, and you can know him too. Provoked by love, the Christian witness is not a sales pitch. We're not trying to talk people into things. It's a summons. It's an invitation to lay down your idols and follow the living king of the universe. We, We talk about this a fair amount here. Remember the fruit of repentance, what that is. The fruit of repentance simply means this, I'm walking in darkness, I'm a sinner, I'm confused, Um, unwise things come into my life, I say yes to them, eventually leading to, to death. And then the fruit of repentance is God turns me around. It's a change of heart, it's a change of mind. And now I'm walking in light and truth, perfectly, no, but confessing my sin, receiving forgiveness, there's wisdom, there's grace, there's mercy, there's direction, there's encouragement, eventually leading to life. So this was Paul's goal of his message that they would repent. That's the goal of our message too, that we would 
uh, move people to repentance. Next, expected outcomes. How is this going to go? What could happen when we share this good news? How will people react? Well, when they heard of the resurrection from the dead, some mocked. Others said, we'll hear you again. Paul went out from their midst, but some joined him. And some believed, among whom were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So if you're filling out your outline this morning, really three things that can happen according to Scripture. Some will mock you. Be ready for that. Some will want to hear more. Answer a question or two. And if you can't say, let's come back. I'll, I'll get some answers. I'll look some stuff up. I'll talk to people. And some will believe. Be ready for that. Be encouraged. So what's the cost? What did it cost Paul? What could it cost us? Back to Acts 17 in the 18th chapter, they were kind of making fun of him. They were calling him a babbler. What is he trying to say? When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. So when we share of this good news of Jesus, that he existed, died, and rose again, some people will do that. They'll call us babblers, people who are saying nonsense. They'll, they'll mock us and make fun of us. They'll think we're foolish or uneducated, maybe that we're simple-minded or easily swindled. Maybe they'll look at us like we're the mean people. That we're simply out of touch. We simply don't get culture and society today, and we kind of have to stay glued to these old rituals to kind of make ourselves feel well. People will make fun of us. We deal with people all the time, people who don't believe stuff and look at us and go, you seem a little bit bright and kind of educated, and you still believe this stuff. In other words, they're saying, you're, you're kind of a dope. And, and it's okay. The Bible says people will mock because they mock Jesus God the Father's Son. So be prepared for that. Could happen. It's all right. Acts 17, 19 through 20. Let me take you here again. I'll explain why. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus. We've heard this word a couple times. Saying, may we know what this new teaching is that, we are, that you are presenting. For, some, uh, for you bring strange things to our ears. And we wish to therefore know what these things mean. What, what I just want to show you again. They, they brought him to this mysterious place. I guess not mysterious, but it has a cool name. The Areopagus, right? This place in Athens. And like I said, it's a place where presentations were made. Where conversations happened. Where there were arguments, points on one side or the other. But Paul would have known that centuries earlier, Socrates was in the same Areopagus bringing strange and new ideas, just like Paul was, although very different. And I never knew this till this past week. Socrates was executed at the Areopagus for bringing strange and new ideas. So Paul is standing in the exact place where Socrates was executed for bringing strange and new ideas, and he's bringing strange and new ideas, knowing full well that he could, too, also lose his life. So what about us? Are we willing? Are we willing to lay it all on the line for the sake of the gospel, for the growth of the kingdom? And remember Jesus' words, and I say these gently to you and graciously to you because I think Jesus said them graciously and gently. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Well, what about the power for our mission? How is this thing supposed to be powered? How does it get done? Where does that come from? Well, this same Paul who was on mission in Acts 17, of course, wrote many letters, and we have them recorded in the New Testament. He wrote a couple to the church at Corinth, right? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, four simple words. Christ's love compels us. That that's what moves us forward. It's the love we have for Christ, the love we have from Christ, and the love of Christ in us that we have for others 
that compels us. It was a love that Paul had in his heart that motivated him. We can't do this out of a motivation for guilt. If you walk out of here today and the guy at the front of the church told me I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, and I guess I'm supposed to do it, so I do it. That's the wrong motivation. That's guilt. Do it because of your love for God and what he's done for you and how he's changed you. And now see people in need and love them too and share the good news of Jesus with them out of an obligation of love. Not a, I've got to do this so God will like me. We know that's not the way grace works. It comes from love. In the, the New Testament gospel account of St. John, fourth chapter, fourth chapter, the disciples see a, an awful woman, ritually unclean. She's a Samaritan hated by the Jews. She's living in an unclean and filthy land. That's what they see. Jesus sees a broken woman, a daughter, who needs a touch from heaven. And he brings the love of God to her. Why? Because he loved her. And he saw someone who needed to hear the good news. Let your desire to share the good news of Jesus be your love for them, your love for him, no matter what the cost of you. That's deep love, right? You want the best for the person that you are loving, no matter what the cost to you. doesn't matter what it costs me. I just want the best for you. That was Jesus' motivation. That's our motivation. And I like to wrap up messages like this with this point. I've said this before. The pressure's off. Take a deep breath. It's okay. It's not your job to close the, close the deal, right? Who's the closer? The Holy Spirit is the closer, third person of the Trinity on this triune Trinity Sunday. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the one who does the con uh, converting. First uh, Corinthians, Paul, again, writing, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. L let God be the one who does the converting. Our part of the mission is to share the good news of Jesus, his death and resurrection, to sincerely love these people. Leave the conversion to the Holy Spirit. That's his job. Well, some next steps to share with you as we're kind of closing this message today. First of all, concentrate your message on the death and resurrection of Jesus. They'll have questions about lifestyles and what we believe in this and that and the other. That's okay. But simply tell them that Jesus was, is, died, and rose again. Number two, rely on God's love in your heart to motivate you to share the good news. And of course, as we just said, let the Holy Spirit do the converting. Our job is simply to love them and to share the good news. Wrap up here with a quick video, 90-second video. He talks really fast, so we put the words on the screen, too. Um, you might recognize his voice. His name is Lee Strobel. He's written many books, including one called The Case for Christ. It's a really neat story. I wanted to show it about him having the courage and, and the love to share the good news of Jesus. And let's watch it and see what happened. I was a new Christian. I was still editor at a newspaper in Chicago. I was packing up to go home one day, and I felt the Holy Spirit in a very specific way nudging me to go into the business office of the newspaper and invite my atheist friend to come to Easter services at our church. So I went up to him. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. I said, you know, Easter's coming up. It's a struggle. You know, I'm an atheist. I don't observe Easter. But Easter's when we remember the resurrection of Jesus. He said, well, he wasn't resurrected. I said, well, actually, there's good evidence he was. He looked at me and said, I don't want to go to your stupid church. I went out and I thought, what was that all about? Why did I feel so specifically compelled to go and invite him to Easter services, talk about the resurrection? I shared the gospel with him and he just shut me down. And I'm telling you, this bothered me for years because to this day, he's an atheist. 
four years later, by then I'm a pastor, and a guy came up to me at church one day, and he said, could I shake your hand and thank you for the spiritual influence you've had on my life? I said, it's real nice, but who are you? So let me tell you my story. He said, one day, not long before Easter, I was in the business office of the newspaper. I was on my hands and knees working on the tile on the floor behind a big desk, and you walked in. I didn't even think you knew I was there. I started talking to this guy about God, and you started talking about the evidence for the resurrection, and you started inviting him to church, and this guy was shutting you down. But I'm on my hands and knees listening to all this stuff, and my heart's beating fast, and I'm thinking, I need God. As soon as you left, I called my wife. I said, we're going to church this Easter. She said, what? I said, yeah. He said, we came to your church at Easter. I came to faith. My wife came to faith, and our teenage son came to faith. And I just wanted to thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's not going to happen every time we share Jesus. But it'll happen sometimes. Isn't it great? The Holy Spirit moving. Let's pray. God, you do great things, and we're grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you that you are the uh, power and the motivator for all this. We are simply to be obedient, to love you well, to love others well. We'll fumble through our witness. We'll stumble over words and ideas. But um, the idea is that when uh, folks see the love in our, our, our eyes and our heart and, and the good news of Jesus and the resurrection, they will too repent and leave the garbage behind and turn away from it and live for you and, and know of your goodness, grace, mercy, forgiveness and salvation. Let, let that be accomplished um, through the saints here who will go out this week and in weeks to come and love on people and share the good news. Through building hope in the city, our mission focus for this month, the same thing happens. Yeah, we, we uh, weed yards and uh, uh, plant trees and build houses, but ultimately that ministry is about sharing the gospel, that Jesus loves you and he died for you, died and rose again. Let that happen, all to your glory, that the name of Jesus might be known around the earth. In his precious name we pray, and together we all say, amen.